Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. I'm going to be glad that faith is a lifestyle. It's not just a movement. Some people think, well, faith is just a movement. But the Bible actually says the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Faith is a lifestyle. Praise God. And it's not just something that was a movement and then passed away. Praise God. Faith is a lifestyle. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And I really got this message from my good friend, Jimmy Alexander. And Jimmy is a traveling evangelist that comes to this church. He's pastored a couple of pretty large churches in his career. He's spoken for a lot of great churches in America. But I, I was telling Jimmy about how, you know, the Lord, in spite of all the difficulties, in spite of all the problems and all the challenges and you know, different things, how they go, how the Lord just takes good care of us, takes care of us in grand style. And he said something to me that really spoke to me. He said, Pastor Lawson, you and Barbara really are, are very great examples of faith. And he gave me this scripture in Hebrews chapter 10. It's verse 36. He says, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might uh, receive the promise. And he told me that word for patience here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 is, is a different word than is usually word used for patience. And it's really talking about consistency. And he said, you and Barbara, no matter what's going right, no matter what's going wrong, day in and day out, you are very, very consistent in your faith. And that's what leads you into this, praise God, constant victory. Praise God. You know where to go from faith to faith, from grace to grace, and from glory to glory. Amen? Hallelujah. And we can live in constant victory. The Bible says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can always be triumphant in Jesus. But if you're going to walk in that victory that Jesus won, you're going to have to learn how to live by faith. So let's start reading right here in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has a great repayment of reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For a little while, and he that will come will come and will not tarry. But now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. We're not of those who draw back unto judgment, but to those who believe to the saving of the soul. So we're not drawing back. We're not going back. Praise God to judgment, but we're believing, hallelujah, in the present realm, we're believing, believing to the saving of the soul. So our spirit has been saved, our soul is being saved, and we trust our body's going to be saved when Jesus comes again. But as we look at this, I want to talk about a couple of these words in the, in the Greek. I want to talk about the word right here in Hebrews 10 verse 36 for patience this is the greek word hupomone and it, it means this it means steadfastness constancy endurance patient steadfast waiting for not moved from deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith even by the greatest trials 
So you can really tell somebody is a person of faith when they're going through a great trial or a great difficulty. It's not swayed by all the different circumstances, by all the different things, but faith is consistent and faith is steadfast even in the faith, face of great challenge. So we need to learn how to be consistent in our faith. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. We're going to be talking about the lifestyle of faith and how we're consistent in our confession. We're consistent in our lifestyle. We're consistent, praise God, in our giving. We're consistent, praise God, in praise and in prayer. We need to be consistent, praise God. And when you stay consistent, the Bible says, be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We will inherit the promises. Praise God. The other word that I want to look at is right here in Hebrews 10, verse 35. It says, cast not therefore away your confidence, which has a great repayment of reward. Your confidence. This word for confidence is the Greek word parasia. And it means boldness. It means openly and plainly, boldly speaking. Amen. It means freedom in speaking, frankly. Fear, free and fearless courage or boldness, bluntness or assurance. Now, when I read that, I thought that reminds me of somebody I know. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we live in this seeker sensitive world where it seems like almost everybody is afraid to say anything about anything. But sometimes you just got to say some things because you just can't just, just live you know, like the world is living. Praise God. So we need to have a bold confession of our faith. Praise God. Now, first of all, we need to have a bold confession of Jesus. And when we go and read here in Hebrews 10, if we jump back up to verse 32, we'll read verse 35, uh, verse 32 to verse 35. He says, call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, after you received the light, after you received the truth, you endured a great fight of afflictions. In other words, many times, you know, you weren't believing for much and you weren't having a lot of difficulty or problem, but all of a sudden when you find out God promised you healing, it seems like there's a barrage of attacks in the area of physical sickness. And all of a sudden, when you find out that God wants to bless you, it seems like there's all these attacks in the area of finances, whatever, whatever you start believing for. That's because the Bible says immediately when the word is sown in your heart, the enemy comes to steal the word that is sown in your heart. Satan is really an enemy of the word because he knows if you get a hold of the word, the word is going to produce a very positive and good, healthy uh, harvest in your life. So you got to hold on to the word, right? And don't let Satan steal the seed of the word. He said, you endured a great fight of afflictions. He says in verse 33, partly while you were made a gazing stock and partly while you became companions of those who were so used. In other words, you started to believe in the word and people were kind of watching you to see, does this really work? Is this really going to be real in this person's life? For he said, you had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully 
the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in, in heaven a better and enduring substance. He says, cast not therefore away your competence, which has a great repayment of reward. So we have to be confident. And part of this confidence is a boldness and a plainness, a frankness and openness, unapologetically confessing Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so while I was preparing this message, actually, my daughter-in-law, Heather, sent me a text and it had a video on it. I thought, that is amazing. That is exactly what I'm going to be preaching about. And so I thought I'd just share this video with you. So they're preparing that. As soon as you get it up, just go ahead and play it. But thank God, you know, sometimes we're looking at a lot of negative stuff, keeping the but joy we can be positive, the game. amen. But I'm curious, it's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. And I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled, and I had to find Christ in that, and I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah, um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game, because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for, and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, 
we're, this isn't our home. And I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father, and I'm so excited about that. And yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home. And um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our King. So. Amen. I just thought that's great. You know, there's so much negative and many times people are focusing on the negative. And even in the church, a lot of times people are very, very negative and focused on the negative. But we need to thank God, amen, for people standing up and boldly speaking Jesus and making a bold confession of their faith in Jesus. Praise God. That's a secular university, amen, where they're boldly professing faith in Jesus Christ. And I thank God that we can have a bold, outspoken unapologetic faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we jump back up to Hebrews chapter 10, we begin reading in verse 22. Look at what it says here. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. The reason we can hold fast to a profession of faith without wavering is because Jesus is faithful who promised. He says, and let us, notice this three times, let us, let us, let us. Hebrews is really a book on grace and faith, and it's talking about the grace of this new covenant. He's comparing the old covenant and the new covenant, the old covenant of performance and the new covenant of grace, right? And he says, we have a better covenant established on better promises, and what makes it better is Jesus. That's all about the grace of God, but he also talks about the subject of faith. And 13 times in the book of Hebrews, it's 13 chapters, once for every chapter, he says, let us. You see, because when you really understand the grace of God, the grace of God incites a response of faith. So he says, let us draw near, let us hold fast. And then he goes on and says this, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but encouraging one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Praise God. So if we're going to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises, number one, we're going to have to be consistent in our faith. Number two, part of being consistent in our faith is we need to be consistent in our confession of faith, or our confession, first of all, of Jesus. We need to have a bold confession of Jesus. The second thing is, we need to have not only a bold confession of Jesus, but we need to have a bold confession of faith. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, we then having the same spirit of faith, according as, as it's written, I believe, and therefore I have spoken, we also believe, and therefore we speak. You see, the fact is, I believe Jesus is Lord, and therefore I confess Jesus is Lord. 
Just in the same way I believe Jesus is Lord, I believe Jesus is my healer. And therefore I say, Jesus is my healer. The Lord is my healer. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. I agree with what the word of God says about me. Just like I believe that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that Jesus is my healer, I believe that Jesus is my provider and therefore I say, the Lord is my provider. He provides very well for me. The Lord always takes care of me in grand style. Hallelujah. So I thank God the Lord is not only my healer and he is my provider. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my righteousness. But he, praise God, He is my provider. Amen. So I thank God for that. So we need to have a bold confession of faith. And it's important what we say. Jesus talked about faith in Mark chapter 11. He was actually on his way to the temple and as he was going to the temple, uh, he saw a fig tree and he was hungry. So he went to this fig tree. It wasn't the time of figs. And so when he looked at the fig tree, it had no fruit on it. So Jesus spoke to this fig tree and he cursed it. He said, no man is going to eat fruit on this tree from here on forever. I'm sure his disciples thought Jesus was a little crazy, but they didn't say anything. And so he went on to the temple. Of course, you know, when he got to the temple, he threw all the money changers out and drove them out with whips, said, my house ought to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And they came back the next day, about 24 hours later, by this fig tree that Jesus cursed. And it was dried up from the roots and withered away. I mean, this fig tree looked like it had been dead for 10 years. The bark was falling off of it. The leaves had all fallen off of it. It was all dry. It was brittle. The, the disciples looked at that fig tree and they said, Jesus, the fig tree that you cursed is dead. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Mark 11, verse 22. And then he began to teach them some things about faith. It's very important that you understand some things about faith. A couple of years ago, I had a person, he was sitting in a meeting, and he was telling me, don't you understand all this stuff, these principles of leadership and business? And I said, I didn't even know the word he was saying. I said, listen, I don't know anything about that at all, but I can tell you one thing. I know some things about faith in God. And so I may not understand principles of the world and all those different things, but I'm going to tell you something that I do understand. I do understand some things about faith in God. He said, that's okay, Pastor. It's okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. And you need to understand some things about faith in God because faith in God will change your life. And Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he says. Guess what? It says you're going to have whatsoever you say. 
What you say is important. Your words are important because your words have power. And it's important for you to speak words of faith. And it's important for you when you pray to God, not just to talk to God about the mountain. In fact, the Bible never says talk to God about the mountain. The Bible says you talk to the mountain about your God. Because if you're talking about God about the mountain, the problem with that is your focus is on the mountain. Your focus is on the problem. And whatever you focus on will be magnified in your life. But if you'll start talking to the mountain about your God, hallelujah, like David did when he was before some Goliath. He said, I want you to tell you something, you old uncircumcised Philistine, you non-covenant man. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? You big old ugly thing. Hallelujah. He said, you may think you're really something calling me a dog out here saying I just come. What are you doing coming out here with a staff? And David said, I'll tell you something, you ugly thing. I'm going to take your sword and I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you to the birds. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to get a little direct with your circumstances. Sometimes you see you got to be a little open and a little bit frank and a little bit direct and unashamed in your confidence in the Lord. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? Some of you need to start talking to your problem and you need to be a little bit direct with it. And you ought to say, who are you to defy the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth? And you need to start telling your body and telling your finances and telling your situation to line up. Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass. Shall have whatsoever he saith. You're going to have whatever you say. Believe it or not, it's working for you. And if you don't like your harvest, you need to change not only what you're believing, but you need to change what you're speaking because the fact is you're actually speaking what you really believe out of a heart level because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. So it is very important, not only what you believe, but what you speak. And he talks about in verse 23, three times as much about saying as he does about believing. And so he says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. One time over here. Those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he saith. Listen, I'm going to have whatever I say. So I don't care so much what everybody else says. I ultimately care, number one, about what Jesus says. And then I'm going to agree with what Jesus says. Hallelujah. And I'm going to begin to speak what he says. And if you really begin to believe it and speak it, did you know what? It's going to change how you pray. So he goes on and says in verse 24, Therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So what do you want? 
In other words, I like to change it and say, whatsoever things when you pray, you desire. When you get in the presence of God, what do you want? What do you really want? What do you desire? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Because too many people, when they're praying, rather than accentuating the promises of God and accentuating what God is saying, they're accentuating the problem. And you need to speak words of faith and not words of doubt and unbelief. You need to say what God says about the situation. I'll give you an example. This happened probably nearly, you know, 30 years ago. I had a woman in my church, and she came to me one day, and she said, Pastor, would you pray for me? She said, we're going to go on a trip, and we're going to go to St. Louis, like 700 miles away. And we got this old car, and it's going to break down, and we don't have enough money. Oh, but you would you pray for us, Pastor, that somehow we would make it? I said, okay. I joined hands with her. I said, Lord, I know they're going to go on this trip, but I know their car is old, and I know it's going to break down, and I know, Lord, that they don't have enough money. Oh, Lord, but just help them. And she stopped me right in the middle of my prayer. And she said, Pastor, don't pray that way. I said, well, then you don't talk that way. And some of you, when you're praying, you're not praying the answer. You're praying the problem. You're reciting the problem. You're talking about this demon, that demon, other demon, demon, demon. My God, I didn't know. In fact, I told some people years and years ago, I said, when, you get in the, when you're praying, you aren't getting in the presence of God. And they looked at me like, what? I said, no, you come out of there. You're looking like you've been sucking on lemons. Because what you're doing when you go to pray is all you're doing is talking the problem. And the Bible says there's joy. In the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. There's fun. And I know if you get in the presence of the Lord, you're going to get happy. Listen, I just had two of my granddaughters at my house. And it's the first time that they've got together in their lives. My little granddaughter Ellie is visiting from Miami, but they were in, she was born in Singapore, June 1st of 2020. She just turned three. And then my, my granddaughter Ada. And they get to, and, and there's so much joy. They know they don't really have words to express it. So it's like, I mean, they just shriek with joy. I mean, it's like joy on steroids. And I'm thinking about, wow, what's it going to be like to live in the presence of God, in the presence of the Lord? There's fullness of joy. Did you know what? If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't take your goods. The joy of the Lord is just strength. So you need to stop just rehearsing the problem and start rehearsing the promise start talking about the answer start saying what you want start saying what you believe instead of just what you say see because as long as you say what you see you'll have what you see but if you start saying what you believe you'll start having what you believe and listen we live in a negative world it's challenging but you need to learn how to be positive and speak words of faith and have a bold confession of faith 
Not only that, you need to have a bold confession of life. Turn with me to James chapter three. James chapter three, James is a great book on faith. James chapter one talks about the wisdom of faith. Chapter, chapter two talks about words of faith chapter, or works of faith. Chapter three talks about words of faith. Chapter four, hallelujah, got to read it here. Talks about the humility of faith. And chapter five talks about the patience of faith. It's a great book of faith. But right in the middle of James, James chapter three, he says this beginning in verse one. My brethren, do not be many masters knowing that we will receive the greater condemnation. In other, in other words, the more authority, the more, the more authority that we have, the more responsibility we take on. He says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect, complete, entire man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. You know what? Our words are like a bit. You can take a six-inch bit and you can put it in a 1,200-pound stud horse mouth. You can put a 60-pound child on that stud horse and that child has full control of that horse with that six-inch bit. He says our words determine the direction that we take. Our words determine where we're going and what we're doing in life. He says also in verse 4, he says, Look at the ships which pass, though they be so great, they're turned about with a very small helm wherever the governor lists. In other words, it just takes a little rudder to turn a ship around 180 degrees. And you know what? If you don't like where your ship of faith is going, you can turn it around by the words that you speak. He says the tongue in verse 5 is a little member and it boasts great things. Behold how great a, a matter, a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it's set on the fire of hell. He's using it in a negative way. But you can turn it around. And you can change the course of nature by the words that you speak. For every kind of beasts and of birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father. And therewith we curse men who are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things should not be. In other words, we need to use our mouth to speak words of blessing. We need to use our mouth to speak words of life. He says, does a fountain send at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries and a vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh water. Who is a man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, a good lifestyle, a good behavior, good words, his works, words in your works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, do not glory. Do not lie against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. 
But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, easy to be approached, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of those who make my mom had a saying over her kitchen sink it said this be careful of the words you speak keep them soft and sweet you never know from day to day which ones you'll have to eat amen we need to speak words of faith we need to speak positive words of life amen we need to speak words of blessing hallelujah because our words affect our destiny. Amen? So we need to have a bold confession of Jesus. Then we need to have a bold confession of faith. But we also need to have a bold confession of the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 8, a Roman centurion, if you want to turn there, came to Jesus. And he said this in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home. He's sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes, and to another, come and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus, when he heard it, marveled and said unto them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not seen so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Speak the word only. This man was a man of authority. He understood the power of words. He understood his authority as a Roman centurion who oversaw 50 to 100 soldiers. He said, I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I tell this one, do this, and he does it. In other words, just like I have authority, he understood that Jesus had authority in the realm of sickness and disease. So he said, speak the word only. Everybody say, speak the word only. See, not only do we need to have a bold confession of Jesus, a bold confession of faith, but we need to have a bold confession of the word of God. God's word in your mouth has power. Amen? So learn how to take authority by speaking Words of faith, words of life, words of blessing, but also by speaking the word of God. Hallelujah. I remember when we first came here. Did you know we moved here and we bought, at that point in time, it was a great big house to us. It was 3,450 square foot, five bedroom, five, uh, three bath fixer upper. And, and it was very challenging when we first came in our house, we had no furniture in our living room. We had, you know, uh, other rooms, with, like with no furniture. And, and you know what? There wasn't a lot of money coming into the church at that time. In the beginning, I didn't even take a salary from the church here. 
I didn't take any money for a little bit. The church at Kit Carson helped me for three months. They gave me salary and housing allowance. And then for another uh, nine months, they paid my housing allowance. And so for the first six months, I didn't take any finances from this church whatsoever. But anyway, I walked around and I spoke words. I spoke Psalm 112, the first eight verses. I spoke Psalm 115, verse 9 to verse 16. And I put my name in there. Praise God. And in a little bit, our house filled up with nice things. And I told Barbara, Barbara, this doesn't even make any sense in the natural at all. Because, you know, we came here, we got this house payment, we got all these different things, and, you know, we're not making a lot of money, and yet our house filled up with nice things. And all, she said, how can it not happen when you walk around and speak those words? How blessed is the man who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Hallelujah. I began to speak. His children are mighty. Hallelujah. I, I began to speak words of life. She said, how can it not happen when you walk around and speak those words? In fact, sometimes when it looked very challenging, she said, you better get to walking around and speaking those words again. Hallelujah. Amen. God's word has power in your life. In fact, it's working for you whether you realize it or not. Do you know the Bible actually says this? In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, your words determine your destiny. So if you don't like the harvest that you're receiving, you need to change what you're believing and what you're speaking. And you need to begin to speak the word. And just like Jesus told this Roman centurion, he said, speak the word only. Speak the word. The, the, the Roman centurion actually said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Jesus marveled, said, man, I haven't even, there's, there's, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. He later goes on, we look at this in verse 11 to verse 13. Jesus said, I say unto you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, what Jesus was saying is outsiders become insiders when they believe God. Amen? And maybe you're on the outside with somebody, but you can be on the inside with God. Amen? So you keep speaking words of life. Amen? You keep saying what God says about the situation. You keep speaking words of blessing. Hallelujah. You keep speaking the promises of God because death and life are in the power of your tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. In fact, Jesus, the centurion went back to his house and when he got there, they said, hey, your servant is healed. He said, when did he begin to get better? They said, he began about this time, about the same time 
that Jesus spoke the word. Amen? According as you have believed, so be it done unto you. Hallelujah. So your words have power. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. We need to have a bold confession of Jesus, a bold confession of faith, and a bold confession of the word of God. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. That means whatever the devil meant to destroy you, God can turn it around and use it for good. He delivered them, amen, from their destructions. I love this. I'm going to give you one more verse in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14. God spoke to Jeremiah and he told him some things about his words. Notice this in Jeremiah 5, verse 14. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. Amen? So keep speaking Jesus. Amen? Keep speaking words of faith and keep speaking the promises of God. My conclusion is really simple. Amen? I want you to see your words like seeds that are going into your future and creating a harvest. Amen? See your words as seed. Amen? Then some of the things you've been saying, you say, oh no, I don't want that kind of harvest. Amen? So I'm not going to plant that kind of seed. Amen? This is the harvest that I want. So this is what I'll speak. I'll say what God said. I'll say what I believe. I'll speak words of life. I'll speak words of blessing. Amen? And I'll speak the promises of God. And I'll begin to see what God said about me. Come to Bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.